0: welcome to our easter sunday service this is resurrection sunday and happy easter to each one of you after a recent president trump's news conference one of the reporters made this observation that for the very first time in usa's history they won't be celebrating easter this year well i kept thinking how do people celebrate easter some people purchase new clothes some people visit their friends or family during the Good Friday and Easter weekend. Here at New Life Assembly, we gather on Easter sunrise service at five o'clock in the morning and to have a beautiful service, our choir sings. We have exuberant praise and worship. And also we conclude our service with our resurrection breakfast. Well, this year, most of these things won't happen, but we will be celebrating Easter this year. Easter is more than these. It is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the grave, and we will do that. It's kind of different. We will be celebrating Easter in our respective homes with our families, but we will be worshiping the risen Lord online. Hallelujah. Nothing stopped Jesus Christ from rising from the dead. And I have news for you, friends no coronavirus is going to stop the church of Jesus Christ from worshipping him. Five-year-old Johnny had an important verse to recite at their church's Easter program. And it was from Luke chapter 24 verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. Johnny tried to memorize, but he kept forgetting all the time. So on the day of the program, the program director tried to uh, help him a little bit. And Johnny grabbed the mic confidently. He went on and he exclaimed triumphant. He said, he is not here. He is in prison. The truth is, my friends, Jesus Christ is not in prison. He is alive. He is alive forevermore. This morning, I want to speak to you on an empty grave, a risen Savior. An empty grave, a risen Savior. Coming to think of it, The very first Resurrection Sunday was not inside a church building. It was out there in the garden. It was silent. I want to speak to you on the events that surround that week, especially after he rose again. When you study the life of Jesus, he came to reveal who God is. He came to reveal what God is like. He did things that only God could do. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, he cast demons out, he walked on water. And while he did what God did, he was also a threat to many of the religious leaders of his day. These leaders had a form of godliness and they reveled in their religious traditions. They put up a good show, but Jesus could see right through all of that. He could see their hearts. These religious leaders were more concerned about what man Things about them. They had a form of godliness, but they did not have the power of God. You see, religion gives us a form. It gives us a form of piety, of good works, of goodness. But deep inside, we know there is wickedness and there is sin. Religion is most, mostly interested in what man thinks and what man can do for God. Religious Religion is... Interested in the traditions, in our observances. The Bible says the Pharisees said they fast twice a week. They give a tenth of their offering, their tithes. And they prayed long prayers in public. Religion expects us to keep the letter of the law. Religion is man's best efforts to satisfy God. The ones who opposed Jesus were not the sinners or wicked people, but the religious ones. And it's even true today. Jesus showed these religious people what God was expecting. God was not impressed by man's religion or his religious tradition or his religiosity. He was not moved by our outward show. God is looking for the heart. He is looking for the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He is looking for a genuine, a heartfelt relationship with him. And so a lot of religious people, who acted pretty holy and righteous, were offended, and they stood completely exposed. Those religious leaders hated Jesus. The first thing I want you to see is the enemies and their schemes. In John chapter 12, during the triumphal entry, there were so many people following Jesus because he had recently raised Lazarus from the dead. And the religious leaders saw that the whole world has gone after him and say that they were threatened. They felt insecure and they decided to kill Jesus Christ. They could not catch him on any wrongdoing, but they were looking for some false witness. They were looking for something he would say to trap him. As the days drew closer, they used the temple police. They even bribed one of his chosen 12, Judas. They put pressure on the governor. And demanded his death sentence. Finally, these evil religious leaders won. They arrested Jesus one evening. They had a quick trial overnight. They passed him from one leader to another. They beat him up. They spat on him. They scourged him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked at him. And finally, they led him to Golgotha. And they crucified him on a cruel cross. They won. So they thought. The chief priests and and Pharisees were determined that Jesus was going to stay in the grave. They used every resource and power available to do that. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 11 to 15. The Bible says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. I mean, can you think about it? So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story, had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. It is very interesting to note that the enemies of Jesus had more faith in his resurrection than his own disciples. Jesus had to rebuke his disciples for their lack of faith. They tried to influence the Roman government to put a seal outside his tomb. They tried... To have guards posted, to guard a tomb. Can you think about it? No other person in history was guarded so heavily after he died. Because these skeptics, these religious leaders, these enemies knew this man was true. He will rise again. They even tried a bunch of lies to fabricate the whole story. They even bribed the soldiers with their money. But friends, nothing stopped Jesus from dying on the cross, and nothing is gonna stop him from rising again. Hallelujah. Nothing stopped him rising again that day. And friends, no, nothing. No coronavirus was gonna stop you and I, the Church of Jesus Christ, from celebrating the Lord's resurrection today. Hallelujah. More people this year will celebrate the risen Lord in their homes. Can you say amen? More people will hear the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ today, online, through WhatsApp, through Instagram, through Facebook, through YouTube, by every means possible, we're gonna let the world know Jesus is risen from the dead. The second thing I want you to see is the utter disbelief of his disciples. If you look at John chapter 20, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled, removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, John, And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. Mary Magdalene was the first person who had come to the tomb. It says, while it was dark, I have a feeling it must be around 5 o'clock in the morning. Look at her absolute boldness. She was not afraid of the dark. She was not afraid of the soldiers who were guarding the tomb. She was probably unable to sleep. Because she loved him dearly. She wanted to be there early. She didn't care if she had to go alone because she was too grateful for what God had done in her life. She saw saw that the stone had been rolled away. She saw that there were no soldiers. She also saw that there was no body of Jesus. Where did they take his body? She was completely clueless. I want you to notice that not for a second did she realize that Jesus could have risen from the dead. She runs to Peter and John, tells them they have taken the Lord. Look at verse 3. Peter and the other, other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But he did not go in. He bent and looked at the strips of linen. Even John, the beloved disciple, did not realize for a second that Jesus could have risen from the dead. Verse six, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in that place, separate from the linen. Verse nine, they still did not understand from scripture That Jesus had to rise from the dead. They saw all the evidence. These disciples that were in the inner group. Peter, James and John. Out of Peter, James and John. Peter and John are right there. And they are not for a second. They realize that Jesus could have risen from the dead. They see the evidences, they see the empty grave, the clothes, but they never, never realized it. They were so totally confused. Verse 10 says the disciples went back to where they were staying, they went back to their home, and they missed something incredibly wonderful. Mary Magdalene stayed back, and she had an incredible uh, encounter with the Lord. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The very first person Jesus revealed himself was not to one of the twelve disciples not to one of the inner three, not to his earthly mother Mary, but to Mary Magdalene. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, it says, and some women, verse 2, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, of whom seven demons had come out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and The manager of Herod's household and Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Mary Magdalene was delivered. She had seven demons. Saved, restored. She has been restored to her dignity and respect. She loved the Lord. She supported her master. She traveled with the master. She was there when they crucified him. She was there observing where they laid his body. And she was going to be there... First, to embalm him. She had an encounter with the risen Lord. She saw him and she knew this is true. In the same chapter, in verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The very first day of the week, the disciples were all locked in a room for fear of the Jewish leaders. You see, the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus. They have crucified him. And and in their minds, they're, they're probably imagining these leaders are going to come after us because we were so close to Jesus Christ. They are afraid. They are confused. They are feeling hopeless. They are in a room, not knowing their beloved master had died. They crucified him. They thought he was going to be their leader. They thought he was going to redeem Israel and grant them political freedom. And now he is gone. And they are all hiding. They are quarantined. They are in a room. But when they saw the risen Lord, they were overjoyed something happened deep inside their heart when they saw their master. You see, the door was locked. The room was closed. Nobody else can come in. And suddenly, the Lord appears right in the middle of them and says, peace be. Peace be to you. In chapter 20, verse 24, now Thomas, known as Didemus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Apostle Thomas missed the first meeting, the very first day of resurrection. And he wanted proof. And only when he sees it, he was going to believe it. So a week later, the Lord appeared. And this time, just for Apostle Thomas. My friends, he went on to become a great, vibrant, radical follower of Jesus. You and I know that in India, Thomas, one of the 12, came to our country, came to India. He came to Kerala and he came to Uh, Tamil Nadu and he was speared to death near Chennai in Chennai my friend he gave his life he's no longer a doubting Thomas he is a vibrant he is a radical Thomas and he came all the way because he loved the master I want you to consider the evidences that speak of Jesus's resurrection there are so many evidences About his resurrection. Of course in chapter 20 we saw. The empty tomb. When the disciples came. They saw the tomb empty. The Roman seal was broken. Nobody dared to do that. It was a divine act. The stone was rolled away. You see the stone was rolled away. Upward. Nobody can push such a large stone. I have been to that place. And it is a really large heavy stone. You had to push it up. You push it down to fall into the mouth of the tomb, to the entrance of the tomb, and it covers it. But then to push it away up, is going to take several people. And then to notice the guards were missing. These were Roman soldiers. These were the commanders of his day. They could never miss their place of duty. And they were gone missing. If, you, if a Roman soldier goes away from his place of duty... He goes it at the cost of his own life. They will take his life if he was found missing on duty. And yet, when Jesus rose again, the guards fell down as dead men. Jesus' clothes inside were neatly folded. And they don't find his body. We also find the evidence of the angels. Verse 11 to 13 Mary stood outside the tomb and they saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other foot. In chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 5 and 6, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. My friends, not only did they see the angels, the angels also witnessed. They also testified that Jesus is risen from the dead. Not only do we have the witness of the empty tomb, not only do we have the witness of the angels, but we also have several eyewitnesses. There were so many people that have seen the resurrected Lord. They looked on his face. They touched him. They heard his voice. They ate with him. He was bodily on the earth for 40 days from the day he rose again. And then he ascended to heaven. We know he appeared to Mary Magdalene and the two disciples on the way to Emmaus to the 10 disciples that evening. And then a week later, to 11 disciples that included Thomas to the seven disciples by the Galilee Sea of Galilee in John chapter 21 and to the many people at his ascension. Later, after he ascended, he appeared to Apostle Thomas on the way to Damascus and to Apostle John in the island of Patmos. One of the largest man-made structures on earth is a tomb, the Great Pyramid. One of the oldest man-made structures on earth is a tomb, the Step Pyramid at Saqqara. We know of the seven wonders of the world. Did you know that two of them are tombs? Taj Mahal in India is a tomb. And the pyramids in Egypt is a tomb. This portrays man's preoccupation with death. We see that throughout history, men have feared death. Most of all, the Bible takes death seriously. It calls death our enemy. The Bible never minimizes death. It maximizes Christ's victory over death. Christianity is not preoccupied with death. It is preoccupied with life. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if that person die, they will live again. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. The fourth thing I want you to see is the radical change in these disciples. The real proof are the lives of Jesus' disciples. You see, though they fled when he was being arrested, when he was being charged, though they denied him at the time of the arrest, but once they had an encounter with the risen Lord, every one of them were revolutionized every one of them had an encounter that transformed their lives and they feared no one after that the resurrection was the central message of the early church the church grew with an unwavering conviction that jesus had risen from the dead acts chapter 4 verse 33 with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and much grace was upon them. Acts chapter five, verse 26 on. Let me read from verse uh, 28, 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, they were looking at the rulers, the religious leader, uh, leaders, the rulers of the day, and they replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to the, his right hand, as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. You see, these disciples were no longer afraid of the religious leaders. They were no longer afraid of their political leaders. They were bold in their proclamation about the glorious good news. They were passionate in their evangelism. They were convinced in their heart about who Jesus is. What caused them to go to the ends of the earth with the message of the risen Christ? Did they benefit from the proclamation? All they received was threats and more threats. Persecution, they were beaten, they were stoned to death. They were thrown to the lions. They were tortured and some were even crucified. Every conceivable method was used to stop them from talking about the resurrection of Christ. And the more they were threatened, the more they spoke. My friends, one encounter with the risen Lord completely changed them forever. All of them, excepting for Apostle John, were martyred for their faith. Such was the power of the gospel. Such was the power of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. What does this really mean to you and to me today? The death of Jesus Christ proved that he was indeed a man. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved that he indeed is God The resurrection of Jesus Christ sets him apart from everyone else who claimed divinity. It it confirms his life, it confirms his message and his atoning work at Calvary. It is the basis for our hope. It is basis for our life beyond the grave. It means he is who he said he is, the very son of God. He did what he said he would do, And what it means is, he is sovereign. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. The fact is, we serve a living Savior who is still transforming people in our world. We know Jesus is alive not only because of the historical and biblical evidence, but because he has miraculously touched our lives. He touched my life many years ago. He touched my father's life many years ago. You will find millions of men and women around the world today that testify of the power of the risen Christ that had transformed them. My friend, I have goodness for you. This Jesus can change your life. He is in the business of changing people's life. He is not really keen on changing religion. He is really keen on changing a man's heart and the intentions. He can change a sinner to become a saint. He can change a man who is given to drinking and to abuse and to, to have a filthy life to make him clean and to make him a loving husband and a loving and a caring father. He can change a man that has no hope. be a man that has hope and a purpose in life my friend he can change your life you're watching me today everything on the outside looks great everybody thinks you're a wonderful man but you know deep inside you are struggling deep inside there is sin nobody can take our sins away except the blood of Jesus Christ the Bible says without the shedding of blood There is no remission of sins. My friend, all we need to do is to come to him and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you were crucified. You have taken my place at Calvary. You see, the Bible says that man, every man has sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Jesus has paid the price and the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friend, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This this morning, I want to share that you do not have to go on with your life hopeless. You don't have to go on with your life a sinner. You don't have to go on without a purpose. You don't have to go on with lots of struggle deep inside. Today you can be set free. Jesus can heal your body. Are you struggling from sickness? Are you afraid of death? Are you facing coronavirus and you saying, Is something going to happen to me? My friend, he takes the sting of death. For everyone that has put their faith in the Lord, they are no longer afraid about their death. Because to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. You know where you're going. Jesus guarantees eternal life. Life after this death He can bring new life to you He can forgive your sins He can give you a life He has defeated death and the devil Jesus Christ has defeated sin and sickness This morning I want to ask you a question Would you like to accept the Jesus As your savior Would you like to invite him into your heart It's very simple All you have to say Lord come into my heart Wash me of every sin. Cleanse me and he will do that. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I want you to close your eyes and pray this prayer sincerely from your heart. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for Good Friday. I thank you for Easter morning. I thank you that you came into our world and you gave your life as a ransom for each one of us. You gave your life as a ransom for me. Lord, I'm a sinner. You know everything about me. Come, wash me clean with your precious blood. Make me your own. Make me, oh God, a new person. Help me to walk with you. Help me to have the joy unspeakable. Help me to have the peace that passes all understanding. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. I promise to follow you. I promise to serve you. I promise to love you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My friend, if you have made that prayer, I want you to email us. Let us know. Our email is info at newlifeag.in. Please email us and let us know that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. I pray blessings over you over this Easter. May God bless you at your home. May God bless your family. Remember, because He lives, we can face tomorrow.